Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And just like that, we are back with Lamar Carter. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, back when we very, very first started the show, I contacted Lamar uh, maybe November of 2016, and uh, I was really excited to have a Power 5 person on. Uh, He was at Cal at the time, and now we've gotten to the point where uh, he messages me, and we talk about who to bring on and as as you know maddie heaps a couple weeks ago was his recommendation and uh from from the looks of it the the metrics and everything you guys really enjoyed that show so uh we will have today that is lamar carter as i've mentioned the person who recommended maddie and uh lamar was a guy that went from uh, a junior college in brooklyn to the mid-major ranks with uh howard and then went out west to cal and the power five and then before eventually moving back home which is the new york area the newark area new jersey um and and working for njit which which he's very happy at and we'll go all through about his journey through from the juco level to where he is at now back to division one and and back to uh uh, where he loves to be and loves to work. And we'll talk a little bit about, I, I like the part where we talked about uh, trolling, dealing with those people on Twitter. Uh, and, and sometimes it can be very hard. I know, especially for me, uh, our Facebook comments, sometimes it just makes me want to bash my head through a brick wall. Uh, and sometimes when we get messages that like, so, like I, like in a story last weekend, I put distance event. I didn't put 3000 meters cause I put distance event as a placeholder and I never meant to, uh, or actually I never, uh, went back and changed it. And then somebody messages us and they're like, there are usually two kinds of races in an indoor track. It's either 3000 or 5,000 for distance. Just thought you should know. It's like, no, duh. Like yeah, I made a mistake. It's Okay. And how are they supposed to know, you know? But it still felt a little condescending and patronizing at the same time. But, um, again, how are they supposed to know? But, you know, we'll we'll go through how to deal with those sorts of things. Um, one little quick disclaimer, though. We did not record this over Skype as we usually do. We had to record just like episode six with Lamar uh, two-plus years ago. We had to record this over a uh, phone, phone call. So, um, listen carefully. But he does give out his words of wisdom. The 2016 Rising Star winner is on the show once more. And you can go back and listen to the previous episode that he was on, sidcast.fireside.fm slash six. And that's how you can listen to that. Six, yes. Just the number six. I know we're at 109 now. So where we will start with episode number 109 of SIDcast with Lamar Carter of the NJIT Highlanders and his very first day sports formation right here on SIDcast. 
first first taste uh, was was probably in college. I went to Rutgers University, graduated in two thousand and nine, and my first dealings with anything sports information was with the great Stacy Brand Hotchkiss. Um, Stacy Brand at the time, she was the women's basketball SID at Rutgers, and I was a student photographer at the Daily Targum there. So. You know, I kind of got to see up close and personal what what she did and how she handled such a high profile team. You know, she steered me in the right direction when I was a bit of a knucklehead <laughs> when I was when I was younger. But you know, I got the bug from dealing with her and seeing how she handled that team and everything that went around it, and kind of just took off from there. Once I got out of school. So, so let's go back a little bit to some of your uh, sport background here. You, you were from New York originally, went to uh, New Jersey, uh, New Jersey, uh, New Jersey originally. New Jersey, yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. I'm from New Jersey uh, originally, and then went to Rutgers. So, what was your sport background like growing up? Did you always want to be in sport? I mean, did you have any other career ambitions? Um, always had a, a passion for sports. And looking back, I realized that I probably knew I was going to be a SID before I even understood what it was or the people that did that because I, re- I can remember times watching the Yankees which is blasphemy because I'm a Mets fan and ah. typing up stories when they won the World Series on an old typewriter I had for my grandmother so I kind of was doing SID work before I even realized it but yeah. you know always had a passion for sports especially basketball um, especially women's basketball and you know, played played football non varsity for a couple of years in high school. Always played pickup basketball growing up. It was kind of just how I got introduced to athletics at all. Um, once I got to to Rutgers, I kind of just bounced around and and did everything that I could. You know, wanted to try out for the men's team. They weren't taking walk-ons at the time. That's how I got connected with the women's team. Worked as a practice player for a short while. Stayed connected when I started working for the school paper as a junior. You know, covered Final Four. You know, football's resurgence there. Um, a bunch of different stuff. Um, then once I graduated in 2009, went to work for my sister who had a a nonprofit at the time called the Against All Odds Foundation was helping her with media stuff for a while, but knew that I wanted to get back into sports and just network my way into my first job in junior college at, at ASA College in New York. What about, uh, I know that we, we've had several people on the podcast, and I, I even know a few people off the top of my head myself who are really big into women's basketball. What is it about women's basketball for you? I mean, basketball is basketball. You hear true hoopers say that all the time. And whether you're a man, you're a woman, you're a boy, you're a girl, you're short, tall, like basketball is basketball. And for me, I always wanted to celebrate and hype up women's basketball because I personally feel like I wouldn't have gotten as far as I've gotten in sport without it. Again, didn't play organized ball coming up just because of, you know, where I was from, lack of access, things of that nature. So the first time I was truly involved with any type of team for an extended period of time was 
the Rutgers women's basketball team who took me in with open arms and, you know, and let me be a part, a small part of what they were doing at the time. So to to see players like Cappy Pondexter and Estes Carson, Kia Vaughn, Piffany Prince, T. Agivon, you know, Heather Zurich, all of those, you know, girls, and I'm missing people, blame my head, not my heart. Um, just to see them be successful in that space, you know, it made me want to do whatever it took to promote them even more. And then even before I got into school, you know, my senior year of high school at um at Senior Prep in in Jersey, I was tracking the national player of the year race between Elena Beard and Diana Tarazi. You know, that's kind of what piqued my interest and then Rutgers took it over the top. So I always feel indebted to the sport and I just actually like it. You know, <laughs> people yeah. will, will, will talk trash about it. You know, the trolls come out every time someone does something amazing in the league and they're, they're just idiots. Like, I don't even want to get into that negativity, but you know, if you look at the league, the WBA, you look at women's college basketball, if you look at just how much it's grown, you know, it's, it's an amazing sport. It's different from the men because women are different from men. It is what it is, but it's still a quality brand of basketball. They work so hard for so much less than what guys get. So you have to respect them for that, for loving the game, for, for grinding for the game. A lot of them are, you know, when you go into the WBA, you had to play four years. So a lot of them have degrees. They're smart. They're intelligent. You know, they're great with the fans. They have all these extra ambitions. You know, they're fashionable. They're doing all these awesome things. And if you can't appreciate the the young women and women that are in that game and pushing it forward, then you just don't like ball. So that's just how I feel about it. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, some of the trolls and things like that. And that's not what we've talked about in this podcast a whole lot is how to deal with those sorts of things. I'm not asking uh, you to kind of get into specifically some of the negativity, as you've mentioned, but when there is something maybe that an SID does encounter online, uh, what would be the best way for them to handle it, trying to put their all emotions aside, basically? I, I think when it comes to specifically, like, things that are dealing with your department, it it tends to be on a department-by-department department basis what protocols people have in place, but more times than not, I feel unless it's something that rises to the level of someone's in danger, let it go. Um, you know, I've seen some some people that will bounce off of negativity with humor and it works well. You know, shout out to UNBC and how they handled everything, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. after they, they upset um, Virginia, I believe it was, um, but their their staff killed it by just flipping everything on his head and just you know taking it with a grain of salt. You know, I've I've seen situations where you know just mute the situation, block the the tweet and or post or whatever, and keep it moving. Uh, but again, everyone has their internal protocols on how to handle that stuff. But more times than not, it's just don't engage because think about who's doing that if someone is writing about a women's basketball player and saying 
you know, you missed this, that, or you did this, or you did that, or the stream didn't work, or whatever the case may be that they're griping about. They had to consciously and knowingly go from whatever they were doing, stop their life, get on this computer, and type something negative and hit send. Like, there's a lot of effort yeah. that went into it for something that means nothing. Like, you're not going to get praise for bashing some 18-year-old that, you know, as a, let's say, a freshman quarterback didn't win the game for your team. Like, get over it. So uh, I think as, as SIDs, the lot of us, you know, handle those situations well. You know, how much they engage just kind of depends on, you know, the level of the school and the severity of whatever happened. Okay, awesome. I think it also kind of, I like what you said, that somebody literally had to take out their time, carve out their time out of the day to say something mean or awful about a student athlete. And it always gets me, too, when um, there are some fans at a game that will be screaming at either a coach or a player or even the refs, I think, is the most prominent one, but you're taking a lot of blood pressure and a lot of like stress into something an 18 year old kid does. Like, do you, do you really need to do that? Do you you really need to do that? Yeah. It's almost, you know, could have a heart attack right there if if you're one of our guys, but um, let's get back to some of your background here a little bit. You went off and you worked for a nonprofit, like you had mentioned against all odds. What was it like for you to kind of not be involved with sport? Uh, What was life like at that time for you? Um, it was, it was interesting. Again, it wasn't completely unfamiliar because I started my professional non-college career in that space, but it, it was definitely a change of pace. And I think it was something that did energize me, re-energize me for where I am now. The, the organization is called Beat the Streets Wrestling New York City, based out of Manhattan. Um, if anyone is looking for something to get into besides NGIT athletics, of course, um, you know, they're, they're running an amazing program. They're using the sport of amateur wrestling, like we see in the college ranks and, and in the Olympics to help inner city kids in New York City. So instead of, you know, basketball, after school, these kids, young boys and girls, you know, are getting on the mat and learning these skills and, you know, they have kind of like life skills, things that they're doing with different organizations. And there's a lot of committed people that are pouring resources and time and energy into that organization to, to make it great. And for me, it was just a chance to have a change of pace after, you know, being in the, the meat grinder of, of athletics for almost a decade straight to just try something different. Like a lot of times, a lot of us don't have the opportunity or the, the courage to step out on faith and try something different. But, you know, I, I had an opportunity that presented itself and, you know, I decided to take it. Um, especially, you know, having been home at that point, like a year or two after moving. California, where we talked last, um, it was it was great to be somewhat closer to home. Uh, commute was easier, um, and the work I was doing for them was pretty reminiscent 
of what I was doing my entire career as SID. Um, Beat the Streets had never had a full-time communication person on staff, so I kind of just dove in at their direction once I learned the culture and everything and just tried to implement things that I knew worked on on the different levels that I'd been on, you know, increasing social media engagement and, you know, adding graphic design skills that I, I've built to make things just look more uniform and more consistent and, you know, adding a little bit more formality to their recaps of events when they send kids to travel events or things that they put on. And I, I think it, it made a difference in the short time that I was there. Um, by the time, excuse me, by the time I, I finished my time there, they had launched a brand new logo and a brand new website, which I helped with um, in that process. And, you know, I know they are proud of it. I was proud that we were able to get that all done. Um, so I was able to kind of still do SID kind of work and in essence be a head SID without having to do SACRI all the time. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it was a great professional experience for me to say whatever we're doing for the most part starts and stops with me and let's see how, how good I can be. You know, I, I expanded my skill set especially in video, because I was able to do a lot of things and just have the autonomy and freedom to create. So, you know, I'm doing all these things that I've been trained to do at all the the places that I've been, you know, from HBCU level to mid-major to Power 5 to JUCO, um, and doing it for an organization that helped kids that looked like me when I was their age, that you know, just needed a find, to find a way to get a leg up when things are kind of stacked against you. You know, it it worked for me in a professional sense, in a personal sense, um, and it was great. It was hard to it was hard to leave that organization, but I'm still, you know, in contact with them. I'm still trying to stay connected whenever I don't have responsibilities at NGIT, but you know, I'm proud of the work that I did for them and I'm proud of the direction that they're going. Um, they're just going to continue to, to do great things and help kids in the area. Let's go back a little bit to, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the JUCO level. That was your first uh, SID job at ASA college. Now we've had, uh, we had Rainier Perez on from ASA Miami. He's no longer there, but uh, describe to people what ASA college is. Um, what was life like at that time being interviewed for that job? Can you spare no detail? Um, AS, ASA was a wild time. And I say that in the most flattering of sense, just because we had to put a lot of legwork in all of us from administration to coaches to athletes for a school and a program that when I got there had only been around for three years. Um, you know, that whole process, you know, I still speak fondly of it. Um, you know, go back a little further to when I was working for my sister and I said, Hey, you know, I want to get back into sports. I need to kind of figure this out. And, you know, that summer I was the summer of 2010. It was, you know, I'm working, for the World Basketball Festival through Nike as a temp job. I'm 
still doing stuff for my sister. I'm trying to network and figure out how I'm going to either get an SID job or a coaching job. Because at that point, I wanted to be Vivian Stringer. So it was it was going to go one way or the other. So yeah. um, I remember going back to the West 4th Street Women's Pro-Am. It's a popular women's basketball tournament in the summers in Greenwich Village in New York. So I remember I went back one day just to say what's up to everybody because I volunteered with a team there in 2006 when I was still in school. Some of Rutgers players and and coaches and alumni were on that team along with a a lot of other local high-level players. And that year in 2006, I was a team manager, you know, pro bono. We won the championship. So. You know, I was connected with a lot of people in the community, in the women's basketball community there. So fast forward four years, I just go back to kind of say hello and, you know, chop it up with people. Um, I end up running into someone that I recognize from when I was working there as a former player. And, you know, I asked her, hey, what are you doing? What are you into? Um, you know, how have you been? What's happening um, in your life? Come to find out, it's um, Adia Ravel, who at the time was the founding women's basketball coach for ASA New York. So I say, hey, I'm looking to get into coaching, you know, media relations, whatever. Would you mind, you know, maybe taking me on as a as a mentee? He's like, sure, send me a resume. We'll we'll see what we can do. You know, and that turned into an opportunity because one of her assistants at the time was moving on. Their head of media relations, uh, sports information, Tim Slagus, needed help. So I went in there and, and said, hey, can I? Well, they basically said, could you do both? And I said, well, I need a job. So, yes, I'm going to do both. And um, forgive the noise you may hear in the background. I have two pets now. And one is running around. <laughs> That's Cappy, who is named after one of my friends from Rutgers. So um, she is running amok. But, um, but, yeah, so I go into that interview with, with the AD at ASA, Ken Wilcox. He said, hey, if we needed you to do both, could you do it? I said, sure. Needed a job, wanted to break in. So I said, let's give it a shot. You know, that first year, I was an assistant basketball coach and assistant SID. We were a game away from nationals, won our region. I think we went like 17 and 15. So no matter what anyone says, I had a winning record on the coaching side. Nice. Uh, and, you know, we, we were doing well with all the other sports that we had. Everyone saw that I was a little bit better as an SID than a coach. So, so I was reassigned. <laughs> And that was probably the best move that could ever happen to me because I was able to stay there another two years and just develop my my skills with Tim's tutelage. Um, Tim is now working at Brooklyn College and, you know, just learn from him just how to be a professional. We kind of figured out this whole sports information thing together. And during that time, we just exploded. Football made it to a bowl game by the time. I left. Mind you, this is a, a football team without its own field. This is busting the practice cross town Brooklyn every day. You know, a dorm just for athletes. Like we didn't have what a lot of the high level football junior colleges may have in terms of amenities, but we figured it out. 
Um, and it's a credit to the, to the coaches and to the kids that were in that program. Um, women's basketball made it to nationals my last year. Track and field made it to nationals my last year. Tennis re- was like top two or top three made it to nationals. And then the year I left, I think they won men's and women's nationals. So it was a lot of young coaches that were hustling and said, hey, we want to be great. We want to move these kids on to to four-year schools. Let's just get it done with what we have. And that kind of – that was my introduction to college athletics and sports information, just find a way to get it done, figure it out. So I think that, yeah. that served me well throughout my career. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned that you, you, you took a step forward, basically. You went to the HBCU. Uh, Howard, and I want to talk a little bit more about the what happened at Howard uh, in 2016 by Cosida, named you the uh, University Division Rising Star. So what's up, man? How uh, how did that make you feel? What was that whole process like? Um, I mean, could, again, same phrasing of questions, sparing no detail about all that. Um, I mean, 2016 was such a, a dope year and it was the culmination of you know all that hard work I started in junior college um when I got to Howard back in 2013 again it was like hey I did all this work at the two-year level you know how can I get to a four-year because obviously went to a four-year for for college so that's the level that I aspired to get to and I hadn't really known of a lot of people that started where I started and worked their way up. So, again, networked with certain people and, you know, just tried to tell folks like, hey, I humbly submit before you someone that just is trying to make it. Can you help me? Um, I feel like when when you do that more times than not, people are willing to help you if you show that you're hungry and humble. Did that. Um, ended up meeting Siobhan Mansfield through that process. You know, she is not an official like SID right now, but she's, you know, doing work down in DC with Lead One. But at the time she was at the, the SEC. So, you know, she, she vetted me to make sure, you know, I was as serious as I said I was. And around the summer of 2013, the assistant position at Howard with Ed Hill, who is now retired, um, opened up. He said, hey, are you interested? I said, yep, sign me up. So, <laughs> you know, at, at that point, being being young, you know, early 20s, I was, I was willing to go wherever I could to make sure I got an opportunity. So I was able to interview with with Ed and Shelly Davis, the SWA at the time, who was now at the Big South Conference, you know, interviewed with them, got the position, and just packed up and moved to D.C. Um, you know, just Jersey kid that had never lived outside of the state before. You know, it was kind of like LeBron going to Miami. You know, you've been around this area for so long, and you, know, you finally do the kind of four years away at college deal and you know it was it was a great time um it was kind of the same thing as asa you know young young and old coaches but people that were hungry you know most hbcus unfortunately are kind of low resource so they don't have all the amenities that bigger schools may have but what they have is a lot of ingenuity and a lot of heart and 
that that pushed us a very long way. So between Ed and myself, Ed being the quintessential old school SID, me being this up and coming new school media savvy guy, we kind of pulled our resources together. So where he was strong, um, he poured into me to show me how to get better. And where I was strong, you know, I took the lead on certain things, whether it was graphics, social, things like that. And, you know, shout out to all of the, the students and student athletes that we had to help us because two, two SIDs full time, 19 sports in a major market like that, we would, we wouldn't have done it without those students. Um, I'm not going to try to name them all because I'm going to forget somebody. So I'll send, tell them to listen to the podcast so they know that I appreciate them. But, you know, there was just times where things just would not have gotten done if we didn't have those kids in place. And, you know, the staff that we were able to hire out for certain things, um, you know, PA announcers and scorekeepers and, and things like that. You know, I got to meet a lot of people in a in a three year span that completely changed my life, including, you know, some some of my best friends in the business from that area that I'm still, you know, keeping in contact with. And then everyone that I've met through the Cosida universe. Um, so I think that all of those connections, all of those experiences kind of led me to the point where I was able to receive the, the Rising Star Award. And that was just, you know, an amazing moment for me because you know, I think I'm pretty sure it's the first time that, you know, I truly won something like that and been recognized for my talents on that big of a scale. Like I won like a poetry contest when I was 14 or something like that. And, you know, people have recognized that I have talent and I have skill, but for a national organization and the committee that was a part of that to go through all of the the young amazing SIDs at the time and say Lamar is good enough to receive this award like it was it was amazing and you know being down at the convention that year was was so great just like the other years I had been there too but you know that was that was special I have I have my plaque up in my office now and you know I was just grateful for the opportunity and it was amazing that that was happening as I was transitioning to Cal um you know went from moving a few hours away on the east coast to moving a few hours away on the west coast and you know finally making it to a power five school was was a dream come true and you know, to have all those things kind of happening together, it was a little overwhelming at the time. But, you know, looking back on it, I was just blessed and grateful that, you know, I was able to make an impact and to be recognized for it. Yeah, you uh, said that you always wanted to get back to the Power Five, and you just mentioned it there for a second, is is when we caught up with you for the first time when you were at Cal. Um, this this question's kind of obvious, but uh, it's kind of a little bit different to, from person to person. Um, how did you grow? I mean, what was the office like? Uh, how did your roles change from being at a small JUCO in New York to being now at a Power Five in Cal? 
I mean, it it was an adjustment period in the sense of having to learn. I want to say learn how to be a good teammate because I felt like I always was, but to recognize like, hey, we have some resources. You don't have to kill yourself and to try to get things done. Um, we had an amazing staff there. You know, a lot of the SIDs that I worked with are still there. And, you know, we had, again, we just had an amazing staff of SIDs, you know, led by uh, a 25-year vet plus in Herb Benenson. And, you know, we had a strategic comms person there over us. We had an amazing creative team of designers and video people and, you know, it just showed like, hey, this is how the other side lives. Like, when you have all of those things in place and you have fewer sports to focus on, we were able to be a little bit more detailed for everybody as opposed to, hey, let's figure out how to cover everyone a little bit more blanket, which is what a lot of us have to do just to save time because, you know, you can't be so drilled down specific for every sport if it's just you like there's not enough time in the day so just kind of seeing how efficient they were in how they ran their operations seeing how creative a lot of them were and how the process of creating came about you know it with those resources, it was, it was amazing. Like I still take a lot of the things that I learned there and implement it into what I do now. Um, whether it's, you know, just changing the way that I cut out photos for, for graphics. You know, I learned when I was there, um, a lot of the, the video work that I'm doing, some of the tools that I've purchased for myself and for work started with some of the videographers that I learned from there. Um, just thinking about media plans and how to write those things out. I learned from having to do that work there. Um, it was just an amazing experience. It challenged me. It, it was hard, but I'm, I'm definitely grateful for it because it, again, it, it showed that I could do it, that I was capable of being successful in that level. And, you know, if not for, you know, family and having to come back east, uh, I could have seen myself there for, for a long while. And, you know, I think I was just starting to get my my second win by the time I left. So, you know, no regrets because, you know, for family reasons, I know I made the right decision to come back. But, you know, I'm just extremely grateful that they they saw enough in my work previously to give me a shot and you know I hope that I, I did a well enough job for them to show them and anyone else that may have seen my move from a JUCO to a HBCU from an HBCU to a power five and not be dissuaded from giving someone else a shot that may be in that similar boat because conscious or unconscious you know small school SIDs may not necessarily always get a fair shake when it's time for, for bigger jobs, but I think that's exactly where you should look a lot of times because we have to do so much with so little. We, excuse me, 
we we make magic, you know. <laughs> and yeah, if if you give someone the tools to to do their job at a at a higher level, they can only get better. So I'm always a proponent of someone looking at the you know mid major HBCU. HBCU level, JUCO level, if they need to find someone else, you know, I'm proof positive that it can work. You get to come back home now, and you, again, you already touched on beat the streets a little bit, and you were still in the sport realm, but now that you're back in the profession, uh, maybe what are some goals that you have in mind? Uh, has your wind come back for you at all since you've gotten to NGIT? Um, I mean, I'm I'm still processing stuff. I'm not even a month in yet. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's been wild. And, um, you know, I, when, when I came back, you know, I was able to do, you know, a year at LIU Brooklyn, learned, uh, a lot there in the, in the short time that I was there. But, you know, the Be the Streets opportunity kind of gave me a chance, gave me a chance that I couldn't turn down to kind of be my own boss and see how it would feel you know i i know personally that i'd been worried earlier in my career about you know could i run my own ship and you know it was around that time just as you get older as things change you know i was i was 30 31 when i came back and you're like hey you know what how would you feel if you had a change of pace so you know, went from LIU to, to beat the streets and, you know, and tried that opportunity and, you know, I was enjoying it, you know, to be, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, people ask why, why leave if you were enjoying it? Why leave if, if it is such a great organization? And the answer that I have is it's home. You know, I, my major career, like top level career goals have never been unknown to people that know me you know I've always wanted to take these skills that I've honed at all these other schools and someday somehow give them back to New Jersey you know I am a proud New Jersey and I was born and raised here outside of the four years I spent in DC and Cali I know nothing else so you know I always felt like at some point, you know, a school back here in Jersey would would give me a call. And I'm grateful that the one that did give me a call was NJIT. Um, They are led by Stephanie Polari, someone that I've known for years in this business that I've known through, you know, Corsida. And when I was kind of networking and making those connections as I got to Division One, um, she is a dynamo. You know, she she's been at, she's been at NJIT, you know, over ten years. You know, she's been the head of the department, I believe, for the last year and a half to two, and you know, she's been a major part in what the Highlanders are are doing right now. If you don't recognize or you haven't seen what we're doing in downtown Newark, I suggest you take uh, a closer look now before things blow up. Um, you know, we have a, an amazing facility in downtown Newark, the, the Wellness and Events Center, you know, $110 million 
facility that was opened, um, I believe in 2017 or finalized in 2017. You know, our, our AD Lenny Kaplan led the charge on that, getting, getting that facility there. And, you know, we're still building on it. We have a, a multi-sport field coming that should be done by next fall. Um, 19 sports, you know, and we're, we're proud members of the A Sun conference and the majority of them now. Um, it's, it's a sleeping giant. And again, for it to be in the city that I was born in, that I spent a lot of time in, for it to be in the county that I grew up in, you know, I've ridden, I've rode past NJIT countless times going, you know, to the train station to leave this, the state or to go somewhere else. And I have friends that have graduated here. I have friends and mentors that have worked there. Um, you know, for the call to come home, basically, to be from NJIT, it, it meant so much. Um, I was like, it, it meant so much because it kind of was like, it just brought everything full circle. You know, uh, I would always get teased by by my sister when I was bouncing around the country, basically. Like, you know, why won't you work at home? I'm trying. <laughs> you know, I, I would have loved to, you know, out of school, you know, been at NJIT or, or anywhere else um, in the state. But, you know. I don't believe God makes mistakes. I don't believe um, things, I believe things happen for a reason. And, you know, I feel like I've grown in in my roles professionally. Now I'm growing personally through the experiences that I had from, you know, having to move to a different area and, you know, live on my own for the first time outside of New Jersey, you know, that was a, a big thing to move across country and live ca- live in California, which was, you know, a dream of mine, you know, that, that was a growing point to, to come back home and, you know, make a difficult decision that was, you know, rooted in family when sometimes not even just SIDs, but just adults and work in general, sometimes we have a hard time putting family over work and I know I did that for a while um but you know I made a decision to come back and it was the right decision and you know now it feels like it feels like things are maybe getting I want to say back on track because things have I feel like they've always been on on track for me I've had you know amazing career so far that I'm just trying to keep going but um I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling now, but again, You're I, good. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, um, you know, I'm excited for this opportunity. You know, we, me and Steph and, and the staff there, you know, kind of hit the ground running with me just working on things and getting the lay of the land. You know, I have my, <clears throat> excuse me, I have my sports for, for the spring, including our, our men's lacrosse team, which is kind of my primary now so i'm working with them and you know getting reacclimated to that sport that i haven't had since juco and um you know just kind of putting my creative skills to use whether it's you know getting us you know more photos and building up our database or you know just thinking of different creative 
projects on video to to help Steph out and you know it's everything that that I've wanted it to be and more in a short period of time um you know you call it honeymoon phase or whatever but you know I'm working for someone that I've known for years who's you know a proven leader uh a proven quality person you know everyone else that I'm meeting in the department is the same way um I think a lot of them kind of have what I'm used to that chip on their shoulder you know being being in Newark being in Brick City being this program that you know didn't have a conference for a while and you know it's finally found a home and is kind of building towards some great things you know I'm just grateful to to be on the ground floor of what's happening right now with NJIT. Well, awesome. Well, we're glad that you're back in the profession. Glad that you have found a place that you love. Um, I'd like to treasure this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. Uh, the first being, what is your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Mm, um, favorite, I'd give it a tie. I think 1A would be, you know, the whole process of, of getting the Rising Star Award. Like I mentioned, that was just, you know, that wasn't just for me. That was for my fam and all of the, the SIDs and administrators that kind of poured into me as a you know a unknown kid that just wanted to to do better. So that was for them. And then probably the the few times that I've actually gotten to be a part of championship teams. You know, I've been lucky enough to to be a part of a few, you know, nationals for women's basketball for ASA in 2013 and actually won a game, made it to, I think the round of 16, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I was there for Howard when they won their first two SWAC soccer championships and women's soccer I was there for the first of four straight Howard volleyball championships and, you know, got to go with them to NCAAs. Um, so those were, you know, amazing moments. Um, volleyball at, at LIU won the NEC when I was there. So, you know, just kind of going through that process of from the beginning, you know, getting everyone's rosters and making sure everything's right and just watching and learning and growing with a team as we all do throughout a season. You know, sometimes it, it ends in the regular season, you're kind of done with it. Sometimes it may end in the conference tournament you know, before you win, but to see it go from thought to execution of the goal, you know, those are amazing memories. What about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? <laughs> they they all involve travel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm with you there, man. No, listen, um, go back to Juco Nationals women's basketball. That um, – Getting out of Kansas was as crazy as it was in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we played, we were, I think we played on the first or second day of the tournament. We won our first game, you know, ended up playing, I believe, number three, Hutchison Community College from, you know, hometown of, of Kansas. Lost uh, a hard fought battle there. Uh, we tried to get out the next day, but we were unable to do so. We couldn't get everyone um, on the plane traveled out. 
So we stuck to our original plan of staying through the tournament because, you know, we thought we were good enough to stay um, and make the tournament. But uh, so we ended up just staying and spending some time together as a team and as a staff. So as we were heading out at the end of that week, of course, it started snowing, like major snowstorm in the middle of Kansas. So I think we had left out maybe 1 a.m. that morning to get you know, across town, across the state, rather, to the airport. I think it was like a three-hour ride from where we were. And our bus driver, you know, being smart, is getting off every few exits to de-ice the windows and get back on so, you know, we can get there as safely as possible. One time he he got off the ramp and tried to get back on and couldn't get back on because the bus was stuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, you know, we're we're all trying to help get the the snow off the tires and get it so he can back up. Can't do it. You know, we had to wait about two hours for another vehicle to come get us. By the time we um we got to the airport, we had missed our original flight and they just had to split us up into to two. And then um a couple months later, we go back to Kansas for track nationals. Uh, my team, you know, does well, and we're we're heading out. Same thing. Um, we're we're split up. I'm with our head coach, Chris Mills, um, former head coach there. Uh, it's me, him, and our boys team. The assistant coach and the girls team went on a separate flight. The assistant and the girls were able to get out um, before any issues happened. They're fine. Um, maybe an hour before our flight, there's a storm warning. Everyone in the small little regional airport has to go into the storm shelter. We're down there for about 45 minutes until everything clears. By the time we come back up, you know, we get on the flight, no problem, but we're so behind. We miss our connection from Atlanta by 30 minutes. We didn't get on another plane until 2 p.m. the next day. Wow. <laughs> Not a fun time, man. Well, um, now that you are back into the profession, I know you've, you've been or bounced around quite a bit. Uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? You know, know, know what you're getting into and, you know, bring the energy once you know. Um, you know, I feel like any any longtime SID, anyone that loves the business will be honest with you know, a young man or a young woman that is getting into the business is not for the faint of heart. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of travel. It's intense. You know, the rewards are there if if you put in the work, but it is a lot. And, you know, you have to, to love sports and you have to to love watching the growth of young student athletes and truly being a part of a team as you're working with coaches and administrators and the like but you know once once you get that clear vision of what it is and you say hey I'm still going to do it then just go full steam ahead always ask what can I do to get better how can I help never be complacent um, and just say hey I got the job done that's it you know always try to pick up as much as you can because all of the successful people that I've seen in this business are either jacks of all trades or 
they know how to point someone in the right direction and get it done. So that's what I would just say, you know, un- understand the business, learn about the business. And if you, if you still want to do it, once you learn, then just give it y'all. Awesome. Well, um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? How to use um, Premiere. <laughs> yeah. That, that that's, yeah. that's a pet project of mine. Um, you know, again, I've found different ways to, to edit the, the video work that I've done now, some, some outside of Adobe projects, some, you know, I've had things just again, finding different ways to get it done when I didn't have that skill. But, you know, I, I do use a lot of Adobe products. So that's something that I'm going to work to add to my toolkit just so I can have a little bit more versatility in in that side of, of my skill set. Next time someone's in New York area, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? <laughs> uh, restaurant recommendation. If you're downtown Newark, um, one of my go-tos is Dinosaur Barbecue. Um, right downtown is right next to the Prudential Center, um, home of the Devils. So you know, that's always a, a good place to go. And if you know, if you want to go to a bar, I always shout out um favorite bar of mine. It's called People's Choice. Um, it's on Hartford Street in, in Newark. Family-owned, very, you know, low-key, great environment. Um, feel, feels like cheers. You know, everyone knows your name. They kind of just, um, they, they do great things there. Old-school music. It's a great vibe. So, you know, if if you come play us and... You know, hopefully we win and you have some downtime afterwards. Um, it's right near campus. Um, you know, I'm, I love the people there. The, the owners are great. So, you know, I always have to give them a shout out. And uh, what's your work-life balance? What do you do to have fun? Um, try to play as, as many video games as I can. Um, Xbox and PlayStation. You know, you know, if anyone wants to get on the sticks, let me know. Um avid photographer and just been trying to build up my skills there, you know, doing, you know, side projects wherever I can. And, um, just hanging out with, with my two cats, the cats that I got, um, when I was in California, um, one is named Cappy again, named after my friend Cappy Pondexter plays in the W and one is named Reba, um, after Reba McIntyre, the the singer whose show I love. So, um, you know, you know, checking out what these two little fur balls do. Um, they've brought a lot of um, funny times in the two years or so that I've had them. So it's been it's been cool to be a pet owner for the first time. And uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe want to follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? Um, I am on Twitter at I am Lamar Carter. Couldn't think of anything more clever. Um, same thing for, for Instagram, Facebook, pretty easy to find, you know, first name, last name, picture of a cat as my profile picture right now. Um, me and oh, cat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, definitely willing to, to help, you know, share any advice that I can give. And, you know, people were there for me when I was coming up. So definitely willing to pay it for it. Awesome. Well, Lamar, thank you very much for coming on a second time, two plus years later, bud. 
you know, problem. Thank you for continuing to do the work that you're doing two plus years later. This has been great to see your growth and I'm proud of you. Um, so just keep it going, man. All right. Thanks, bud. And guys, there you have it. I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, thanks to Lamar for coming on once again. Next week, we'll have Michael Smoose from the Johnson & Wales Wildcast. That's the Johnson & Wales up in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. A uh, place where my cousin actually goes to school at. Uh, we'll go through what it's like trying to break the brand image that you have. A very, very firm brand image in the case of Johnson & Wales Providence of being a culinary school. How you can break through that. We'll talk about how his journey for all through the... Uh, FBS rankings all the way to where he is now at a D3 level, aligning your career goals with your spouse and much, much more. Uh, that will be all coming up on the 110th episode of SIDcast next week. As we mentioned in the intro, follow us on social media at SportsInfoCast. You can sign up for our newsletter, SIDcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. And as always, guys, I thank you all for listening. If you hope to catch you all in the next episode.